Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Canadian heavy metal band Sword was formed in 1980 by brothers Rick and Dan Hughes. Sword released their debut album, Metalized, through Aquarius Records in 1986, which was followed by their sophomore album, titled Sweet Dreams, on the same label. Handpicked by Metallica to accompany them on the Master of Puppets tour, they've also graced the stage with other pioneers such as Alice Cooper and Motorhead. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with heavy metal OG Rick Hughes, one of Sword's founding members and their vocalist. Rick, it's great to meet you, and thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Jeff. You've got a lot of history in the metal world, from Sword to the Quebec TV show La Fura. Did I say that properly? Yeah, well, kind of. Okay. <laughs> you had a bit of an accent, which which you'll find when I speak. I have a bit of an accent, too. <laughs> and then you've also done backing vocals for Eric Lapointe for quite some time, and still playing with a Led Zeppelin tribute band, from what I understand. So I guess the best place to start is right at the beginning. So what drew you to heavy metal, and when did you start learning vocals? Well, I started, um, I started my... Uh, my singing career back in 1980 so it's been it's been 40 years plus so when i started i was influenced by all singers from the 70s so my biggest influence would be robert plant ian dillon bon scott um bran johnson ozzy dio so so you see what i'm it's like a chain these were my main influence as a singer as soon as i started to sing with a band when I was like 16, uh, 15, 16, 17, because that's when your voice gets ready, gets ready to, to hit the note, you know, because before that, it's like an impossible to to do anything that that at that time Jan Gillen was doing or even Robert Plant for that matter. So um, gradually, I learned to, to probably use my voice so I could sing those guys who are, who to me are, are bigger than big, you know. In my 20s, uh, uh, that's when I, I formed my sound, you know, from, from singing all those guys and then, then it was time to write songs. Then, then I, 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 I put my voice into my songs, you know, I, I didn't try to emulate or imitate anybody. I, I wanted to sound like me. And growing up, were you and Dan always into similar music? Oh yeah. Dan and I are, are like the blues brothers. <laughs> we've, we've got 14 months difference in age. So we always been together. We started everything together, riding cars, uh, dating girls, uh, <laughs> party, and of course, making music. That's, that's how we started. I, I was the first one to, br- to bring in a guitar in the house. So I brought the guitar and I started to jam. And I said to my bro, I said, Dan, now you need some pots and pans <laughs> why because that's all we got right now go get some pots and pans and follow me please so uh i'm not kidding you next thing you know we were, we're getting tam tam and 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 a kid a drum and all in the same year and what was the heavy metal scene like in quebec when you started to, uh, to focus on music seriously here in quebec uh, people love it when when it's hard when it's when it's you know if it's blues they love heavy blues if it's uh, hard rock they like heavy metal so back in the 80s it was really really big the metal scene i, I mean my brother and i would go to the montreal forum and and we'd go see like uh, and back in the 80s uh, ozzy on uh, every tour he was making there would be a stop in montreal same for uh, do judas priest uh, iron maiden so, so we kind of we, we got with the group oh it looks like rick it looks like you uh, cut out so you were just talking about how um the Quebec metal scene was quite heavy back then, and you used to go to quite a few shows. 
Yeah, we, we did. We went to a lot of shows. There was a lot of shows back then. It opened the door for, for clubs, you know. So for, so the metal, the, the, the live clubs were, were into hard rock and, uh, and metal and, and that type of music. So that, that was the fuel for it all. With Quebec, the metal scene, it was you said they've always been into really heavy music, and that doesn't seem like it's changed nowadays. It seems like a lot of the, the heavier, more intense metal that comes from Canada is from Quebec. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, it, it's hard to, to comprehend because the, the radio stations here in Montreal that hardly play hard rock, they don't play heavy metal music at all. And like you said, there's there's like there's a demand, and the proof is in the pudding. Metallica is coming over this summer, and and they're they're filling out two Montreal stadium. I mean, it's going to be packed two, two nights, and and they still don't play metal on on, on the radio. That's I don't understand the the way it works. <laughs> What other Canadian metal bands in, were popular in your area around the same time as kind of when you guys started? Well, we were influenced by April Wine, so we, we had the chance to be signed on the same record label. April Wine was like uh, the only band at that time that, that, would, that would fill out the Montreal Forum. So that was a big influence on us. Frank Marino, uh, what Ma- Mahogany Rush was too a big, big influence on, on us. Rush. Rush was... Uh, was was um was one of the biggest influence on Mike Plant and Mike LaRock, who like they Dan and I were into Zeppelin and into you know the, the harder stuff, and and Mike Plant and Mike LaRock started out as kids like they were 14, 15 years old as a Kiss tribute band, which evolved into a Rush tribute band. So by the time we hooked up, we hooked up with them. They, they, they were they were very very good musicians so we were very lucky to work with them at the beginning of, of their career I like that you just touched on the kiss tribute band so it's recorded that sort initially started out as a kiss tribute band was this when you guys were known as sort of justice no 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 not at all that's um I don't know where that rumor comes from because like I just explained Mike plant and Michael rock the two Mike on in the band mm-hmm. They were in a tri- in a Kiss tribute band when they were kids. Ooh. Dan and I were were not in had nothing to do with that. But while they were doing that, Dan and I were in the basement and and, and we were with the the pots and pans and the <laughs> and the guitars. They they had started earlier than us, you know. They were like fourteen when they started to do that, and and it was not uh, lip syncing or anything. They were really playing the instrument as soon as fourteen, fifteen years old, and yeah. The makeup and everything they did that for a couple of years but but it evolved into a rush tribute once they they did like kiss you know they put the makeup they decided to go without makeup and 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 suits and and it became a, a rush tribute band and that's when we met them okay i see mm-hmm. and so originally the band was named sort of justice and then kind of moved uh you moved away from that why was that the, the band was never named Sword of Justice. It was always Sword. Okay. It was always Sword. Sword of Justice is a... is a, When we toured with Motorhead back in England, mm-hmm. there was a Kerrang! Kerrang magazine at that time was very big with for metal fans and uh, metal bands. So And they were waiting for us because they never saw us live. So when we opened for Motorhead at the Hammersmith mm-hmm. in London, well, the next day in Kerrang! magazine, they had a big page on us and it said sort of justice and 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 it meant by that 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 we were quite a good opening band also from their perspective it was like a play on words but it then got recorded as something that's completely wrong about your band 
Interesting. That's that's yeah. That's the way it goes. Sometimes <laughs> it gets lost. It gets lost in translation. Now, then, when you met up with Mike, uh, uh, the two Mikes, rather, how did you guys decide to start a band and what musical direction to take? Well, as soon as we saw that 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 we were into hard hard music, you know, because they had just left the Rush tribute thing there, and. To me, I was not interested in, in, in continuing that because I wanted to explore more with the vocals. Like I said earlier, and I want to. We we started as a cover band. That, that you start writing song after the chemistry is installed, you know. So we started by playing Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, uh, Deep Purple, Judas Priest, and and we play clubs and bars and just you know get the get get the strength and, and, and get the musical abilities to, to start to write the, our own material. Mm -hmm. So we did that for, for a couple of years. And, and we got a good, big following down here. So every time we'd play, you know, they'd be full and there'd be big parties and brawls. And, and like, like, I don't know if you heard the song Unleashing Hell on the, on the, on the new album. It depicts a, a bit what we were living at that time. Oh, that's cool. Is that on your latest album there? Yes, it's on the, the, the new uh, album, and it's called Unleashing Hell. Perfect. I have listened to it a couple times. I just, I'm not very good at remembering the track titles. So, yeah. yeah. How did you get hooked up with the mics in the beginning? Well, Dan and I were getting pretty good. You know, I just, I, I was I was playing the guitar, singing, and Dan would, I'd buy, I'd bought his first kit, a drum kit, and then we're just jamming the two of us. And, and then uh, I met Mike Plant, while we were my brother and I doing the blues brother thing, you know, just riding in the car and stopping at McDonald's and just being rockers, you know, and, and we passed by Mike and I said, Hey Mike, you still play guitar? Because I saw you when you were a kid, you play with Kiss uh, in a park. He says, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Said, Why don't you come and jam with us? Uh, he says, okay, I'll bring my friend. Uh, he's a bass player. I said, okay, let's do that. So uh, they did. And, and, and uh, it was like, uh, it was meant to be, you know, from the, first day there was there was already planned for a second day so so then it, it it became sword and you kind of said like everything else was history after you guys had met you've now been in the game for quite a few years like i said earlier you guys formed in 1980 of course things have changed drastically when it comes to beginning bands making music and distribution with the onset of the internet so back then what was it like trying to find members obviously you've already answered that in the fact that it was quite easy for you and how was it getting into the music scene with distribution with exposure that kind of thing well like I said earlier, that the metal scene, the hard rock scene was pretty big. The Montreal Forum was jam-packed. Every time there'd be a D.O. or a Black Sabbath come into town. So the record companies were looking for that sound here. So we were making a name for ourselves. So so we didn't even have to shop around. Uh, at one point, we were, we were filling up gigs and bars and, and we're playing our own stuff while we were playing other people's material. And, and so the record company kept coming to see us. And at one point, uh, a local company named Aquarius Record offered us a deal and uh, we went with it. And back then when you were playing both covers and your own music, was there ever a danger of being labeled a cover band? Not at all, because, I mean, if if you go back to the 80s and, 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 the, and you had to cover bands like ACDC, Led Zeppelin, Led, Deep Purple, I mean, these guys were like, writing songs that were out of this world i mean it, it took not only some music big part of music musicianship and and you had to to get your pipes together to in order to sing 
those songs. So you got a lot of respect from the fans, you know, because if you'd, you'd be able to play Victim of Changes from Judas Priest from, from the start to the end, mm -hmm. do the live version or do, or do Highway Star and be able to, to get in all the screens, people would go, man, you're a hell of a singer. Or man, the band is tight. It's hot. And so, so when you play then your original songs, that people were already fired up and they were already sold to your talent. So, no, it's it's never a problem. An artist is an artist, you know. Even your own songs. Me, I, I've, I've written some songs back in the 80s that I sing today. I become a cover singer, you know. It's my songs, but it's been such a long time ago mm -hmm. that I have to cover myself, you know. So there's not a problem at all, no. Canadian content, so music, film, TV, art, has always seemed to lag a little bit behind the U.S. for a few reasons, and the biggest contributor to this, at least in my opinion, is both the population and the size of Canada, uh, challenges with things like distribution and exposure. So you've already said that you had like a good local following, but what did you experience as some of the difficulties getting your name out there when you first started, uh, more on the international scene, uh, when you first started out? Well, it was very uneven, you know, it's like uh, David against Goliath, you know, There's, we, we had to, to, we had to, I don't know, find our place um, and, uh, in, in, in a market where, where all the oxygen oxygen was taken by big bands, you know, like, like Sabbath and, 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 and Judas Priest and the, the, the Iron Maiden, you know, and they were taking all the oxygen out of the room. And, and I mean that in a good way because they were so good and the, the material that they would put out was so amazing. Let's just think about Dio with, when he released Holy Diver. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody went, holy cow, this is good. It, the, it, was, it was hard because, like you said, back then there was no internet or anything. So if, if the record companies from the state would prefer to have an American band Headlining or, or doing or doing their stuff, you know. Of course, Canadian band would come in second. You know, that's it's, it's always been like that. But you have to just stick to your gun and uh, hope for the best. Because sometimes, you know, a band like Rush comes out of the woodwork and they, and, and and they make their way to the top. It seems like there's a lot more publicity when it comes to bands from other countries, partly because of the population. But then you have bands like Rush who will have an everlasting legacy. True, but again, the, it's the exception, you know. For the rest of us, it's a constant struggle to, to beat the odds, if I, if I can express myself this way. Totally. And I would say that's even worse nowadays, just because of the internet, um, Spotify, things like that. You have such a pool of different bands to draw from. Like it, It's got to be more difficult to compete. True. I wouldn't want to be a, a very, very young artist in these days and age. You know, now, for, if I talk for my, if I speak for myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grown up, you know, I, I've, I've been singing all my life and I'm going to sing till the day I die. And, and it's pretty stable. But, but if you're young and, and you have to, to decide what career you're going you're gonna to go with, you know, is it mom and dad's family business or am I going to astray and try and, and, and sell some record? And as I mentioned in the introduction, you have played with Metallica, with Alice Cooper and Motorhead. These guys are all still widely revered because of their impact in the world of music and metal more specifically. So how did you feel when you were appro first approached by them or placed on their tours? We felt uh, humbled and, and, and we felt like we, we've achieved part of the goal because as, a, as kids, Dan and I were big, big fans of Alice Cooper. You know, when we were like 14, 15 years old, we would, we would wait in line at, at 
record store to buy uh, the billion dollar killer album or billion dollar baby or uh, we would be big fans and and one day we we're, we're touring with him you know we're meeting him we're taking picture with him we're watching his show every night we played calgary with alice cooper yeah we we played the saddle dome so so it, it's like you, you almost pinch yourself you know and and same goes with uh, metallica metallica we we, we were We, we had just released Metal Eyes. We were getting great review all over the world. And, and we, we, as a band, Dan and I had rented a house. And as a band, we, we would rehearse in that house. So everybody would, would come around from Quebec, from everywhere, from the, in, from the province of Quebec, just to go to the sort of house. So we'd, sometimes we'd, we'd get out of the house and there'd be a bunch of kids, you know, just by the window where we were rehearsing to listen to us. We, we had a a car for the band and we called it the Swordmobile and we drive around the Swordmobile listening to Master of Puppets album and and we would listen to it man we'd love it we'd go wow this is a future of music this is this is amazing and not knowing that they were doing the same thing with our album they were in their tour bus listening to Metalized oh that's cool and we yeah and, and how did we learn that they told us because once we were on tour with them they said oh man we love metal eyes we listened to it on the tour bus that's how we got our manager to hook up with your manager because we're listening to the album says hey we're going to canada we need these guys on tour with us so we felt like part of the dream was coming true you know that's how we felt one thing i like that you mentioned was the sword mobile and the sword house i think back then having an idea like that gave fans a lot more accessibility than what was actually available to most artists back then or to most fans. Nowadays, it's easy because you can chat with people on social media. But back then, you gave people, you almost put up a flag saying, this is us, come chat if you want. It's true. Yeah, it's it's always been part of, of our trademark that, that we were from the south shore of Montreal. You know, we're not from the city. We're like a, almost like a bit country boys, you know. So the country boys were, were like rockers and, and rockers were all there access, accessible, you know? We, so yeah, there was, there, there's always been a proximity with the fans and, and, and I've been like that way for all my career. And just from my experience, which is limited, obviously, in comparison to yours, it seems like metal artists have the best attitude when it comes to accessibility with their fans. Like whether you're at a show, whether you reach out on social media during this podcast, everyone that I've met is relatively, I don't know, down to earth. They're humble and quite kind, but they're more than willing to chat with people who are fans of their music. Have you noticed that more of a staple of heavy metal music compared to other genres? Well, I think that it's probably due to the fact that the metal musician have to be really good to play that type of music you know it's like a metal and jazz i've got a couple of similarities mm -hmm. like jazz is more towards male than female audience at least it used to be you know for a long time not anymore like metal people who listen to jazz they listen to jazz you know this is their thing and that's that's about all they listen Same goes with the metal fans. You know, if you're a metal fan, you won't you, you won't be open to listen to the new uh, Adele album or, you know, in general, spe generally speaking. I think that it has to do with the fact that to become a, a metal artist, you have to work really, really hard. Work, I mean by that, uh, either be your voice or, or your instrument, which which brings you to, to the quote I said earlier, you know, to the... 
to, to be more humble about it because you know that it's not something that you have for granted. It's something that you work on and, and, and you work on and you work on your fans and you work on your live show and, and that gets you closer to the crowd and, and, <laughs> and further from the business, you know, show business. You get closer to the show and you, you, get, you get away from the business. <laughs> And you've had, a, like I said earlier, you have a wide variety of experience in the metal or in the music world. So in 1992, you released a self-titled album with the band called Saints and Sinners. So for people that aren't familiar with that music, what are some of the biggest musical differences between Saints and Sinners and Sword? Well, Sword was, was very metal. So like I said, it was more for the metal-oriented fan, whereas Saints and Sinners was, was more hard rock. Mm. So it, 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 to me, it had, it had a larger audience at that time, at least. So, because when when you're doing hard rock now, you're talking like uh, White Snake, uh, Motley Crue, um, even Scorpions, where where like I said, you get more of the of the pop genre that likes hard rock, and and even the blues fans will like hard rock, and whereas heavy metal, it's heavy metal fans. Mm -hmm. When you were working with Saints and Sinners, was Sword already on hiatus by that time? Yes. Yes, we were taking a break because uh, in between Metalize and Sweet Dreams, it took us like a good two, three years before we released the second one. So instead of waiting a long time to release the other album, I decided to work on, on different projects. So that's when that project came about. And it was uh, sponsored in part by, bon by John Bon Jovi. Mm. And Aldo Nova. That's why John Bon Jovi has some credit for uh, writing a song on the album. Saints and Sinners album. Despite being away from the band for so long, you kept yourself busy with TV and other musical endeavors. And if I neglect to mention something, please uh, let me know. So from what I've been able to dig up, you spent about 10 years on the Quebec TV musical quiz show that I mentioned earlier and completely butchered. There's about eight years as a backing vocalist for Eric Lapointe. And even to this day, like I said earlier, you, you still play in a Led Zeppelin tribute band. You also released a solo album titled Train d'Enfant. Did I say that properly? Well, kind of. Okay, I'm trying. <laughs> and... <laughs> So you're still staying busy uh, with the American Story Show. So not only this, but you're still plugging away with the other band, The Rick Hughes Show. This is a lot to manage. Yeah. <laughs> what was your introduction like to TV? And what are some of the biggest differences as a vocalist and performer playing for your own band versus a TV show? Um, the TV show gave me, um, gave me, a, gave me a, good, a good pay, you know, because it was like um, the 9 to 5 thing. Once you, you you get hired on a TV show for for your voice, that means that you get paid every week for 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 for, for in this project that we're talking about. It's, it was called La Fureur, and, and I did that for ten years. So it was good for my my family thing, you know, because I I had some kids to raise. They were going to school, so this gave me a good salary. I was um, it's good for everything. It's and after I after I did the TV show, I went on tour with uh, with a very popular singer from Quebec who sings in French, Eric Lapointe. Same thing. It gave me a good salary for 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 numbers of years, and all the side project I had, the Zeppelin tribute band, which is over now, but I did that for a couple of years. That was all. For, for my own pleasure, you know, because I, I love meeting people. I love to sing. And, and if I only sing my songs, then I, then I do one show, you know, and then we have to wait for the, another, for the other record. 
for to do another tour and to do another tour. Whereas if you have a show like I have, it's called Rick U Show, where it's a retrospect of, of all the singers I ever sang in my life. So it, it, it starts with Elvis and it ends with uh, Metallica. And, and, and in there, they're, they're, my songs are there. And this opens the door for, for me to sing and to meet the people more than if I'm d just in one project, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I was born to sing. I love to sing. I can, I can sing five shows a week and my voice won't, won't really hurt and I'll be able to, to do the five shows without a problem. I, I was asked a question a couple of times here in Quebec. That some managers came to me and they said, Rick, why are you doing so much project? I mean, I, and my answer was, was always because I can. That's why I'm doing it, because I can. Maybe you have some artists who are not able to do it because they don't have the voice or they don't have the strength or the, the energy to do different projects. I have that energy. I have that willing to, willingness to do it. That's why I'm doing it. I love to sing. That's so cool to hear. And I think that that attitude is kind of similar between a lot of different bands, a lot of different genres, of course. But my experience comes from chatting with people through the podcast. And I've heard so many people say, you know, even if it's one person, I'm still going to do my damnedest to make sure it's the best show they've seen. Exactly. Because, you know, everybody's got his thing, you know. And an artist, is his thing is his heart. I could have said heart, but I said art. And uh, and, and the both of them goes together when you think about it, mm -hmm. you know. If you put your heart into your art, then it, 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 it's bound to sound good or to look good. And it shows. If somebody's not passionate about their art, then it then it definitely comes through. Yeah, exactly. You know, the imposter thing there, if I can smell them from miles miles away. <laughs> the ones that are assigned for all the wrong reasons, you know. If I don't need to, not, to name names. You know, this, this is how society is made. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes... Yeah, yeah, it's not the very talented that makes it to the top lots of time. You know, the very talented gets sometimes pushed aside because because it scares the the rest of them. And so like we've already chatted a little bit, you spent a little bit of time away from Sword during a hiatus, but you obviously kept yourself uh, not only relevant but definitely involved in the music scene. After so long, what was the or what made the decision to come back as a group and produce a third album? It was the, the demand from the fans. You know, the, we had a, we knew we had a, a, a good following with uh, with with Metalized and Sweet Dream, the two albums that that we released in in, in in the end of the '80s. We knew it, but but it grew with time, and it grew with time, and 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 when 2000 came around and the internet and 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 people were were able to to touch us you know even if they were in italy or germany and that's when we realized that we we if we wanted we could regroup and play the same songs and people would come and and that's what we did back in 2000 the first show we did after after our time off was back in 2008 and Man, it was like I said, you know, if you build it, they will come. They came. They, it was, it, it, so, so we started like that in 2010. We were invited in Germany. We went. That's when we 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 were sure because there were some fans from Japan, Italy, Greece. They came all over Europe just to see us. They, they were there for the festival, but after the show, we talked to some of the fans, and they would tell us, "I I came from Japan to see you guys. I, I never thought I would see you live. So, so that's why I'm here." So after, when we came, we got back from there, from from Germany. We did the Heavy Montreal here in 2012, 2013. 
that's when we said, okay, so let's let's think about writing a a, a new album. And and it took us a, a long time, but we did it, and now it's it, it's out, and we're very very happy with it. And that was your sorry, your last album that was released just last year on November twenty fifth. Exactly. Yeah, Sword. What are some of the aspects of your previous music that you wanted to retain, and how did you want it to sound different? It, everything came naturally. We didn't we didn't push for anything. We just got we, we knew what sword was supposed to sound like. Thirty years later, we knew exactly, and we didn't even have to talk about it. We just did it. So we we, we started with some with Mike Platt. That our, our our main songwriter, mm -hmm. he's the lead guitar, lead guitar Mike Plant, with his riff. It all started with riff and and some titles. I would I would get some titles on songs, you know, and just put some melodies, and and then we'd listen to it and 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 we'd figure it out which one sounds better and what 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 we keep, what we don't keep, and and we just did that for a couple of years, and and that's how we built the album. I'm willing to bet that part of the reason it was so easy to come back together and make new music is because you guys have had relatively solid lineup for pretty much the entirety of your existence, I'd say. Um, you had a brief period there with a different guitarist, but actually it looks like that's only he was only there for live uh, performances. Am I right in saying that? Well, Sword has, has, has always been the four of us. There's a, if, if, if I was in a band where Mike Plant wasn't there or Mike Larocque wasn't there, then it wasn't Sword. Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, it just looks like on the metal archives here that uh, Stefan was listed as a live guitarist. That was Saints and Sinners. Yeah, okay. That was Saints and Sinners. That was like the transition. Because I was I was not sure. Was my next album, would it be a sword album or or or, or, or a solo album? Or and, and, and like I said, it took two, three years for, for Sweet Dreams to come out. Mm -hmm. So when I, I realized that the guys wanted to take a break, so I it switched into a hard rock project. So it couldn't be named Sword. So it became uh, Saints and Sinners with Stefan's Fool. Oh, so even when you guys were talking about taking a break, you knew that you were going to continue making music regardless. Oh yes, oh yes. I was. Uh, I never stopped. Uh, uh, this to me, it's a calling. You know, I, I'm singing more and more every year, and not less and less because uh, because I love it. Because my business is made. You know, because people know me and and they hire me for for plenty of things. So yeah, I knew I would I would go on. Yeah. What's next for Sword? Well, now that the album is out, we're crossing our fingers that somebody's going to hear it and, you know, put a song somewhere in a movie. or in a, We need the, the, the nationwide uh, attention that sometimes happen like uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fluke, it's a, it's a draw, your name comes out somewhere. I don't know, man. It's up in the air right now, and I'm a, I'm a strong believer. I believe that something's going to happen because um, I just know it personally. You know, I love music. I love to listen to all genres. And um, our latest album is, is, has been on, on my... Uh, I've been listening to it since, listening to it since it's, it's been released. And, and before, you know, and, and I never stopped listening to it. So it, it's a good sign, you know, when you do something and, and, and you like it yourself. I've been in some project that, that after a couple of months, I couldn't listen to it anymore, you know, but not this album. This album is, is on my turntable all the time. I love it. And, and, and especially the live. We did some live shows a couple of months ago and it was incredible, the reaction from the fans. This is just an assumption on my part, but you must be thinking of doing a fourth album as well, right? 
Oh, we hope so. We hope so. Right now, we're very focused on on just doing shows for this album, mm -hmm. you know, with the old songs and 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 I have a good live show because it, that's where it's at right now. It's the live performances because everybody knows that. Like I, I was joking around with the, with the record sales and, and and stuff earlier in the interview, but it's it's a reality that's really really hard to to come to. To surpass you know so the way to do it it's true live shows so right now we're just crossing our fingers that somebody's going to invite us on a tour somewhere and, and it's going to help spread the word because as for another album we're not there right now we're just just doing the shows well and you guys just released that in november so it's a little bit rushed to be starting on new music right away if if that's not something that you guys are definitely going to do Exactly. We're, we're concentrate, concentrating on the live shows right now. Yeah. I would definitely have to agree with you there, too, with, like you said, live performances is, is where it's at. It seems like a lot of people get recognition um, simply based on their live performances. I've had uh, that experience myself. I've seen bands that I didn't like their music to begin with, but their live performances blew me out of the water. But then I've also noticed that uh, some people have a reputation for putting on those live shows and that it's a great time. So that kind of draws more fans in as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the fun begins anyways. <laughs> when we all get together and we all bang our heads, you know, on stage and in the crowd. That's when the, the fun really begins. <laughs> for people that, are, that haven't been able to find your music yet, where is the best place for them to find it for you guys? Well, you can go on, on, online and just order it, you know, through uh, Massacre Record, which is our record label. Mm -hmm. Or you go through, uh, to our Facebook page, you, you Sword Metalized and just hook up to our Facebook page and, and they'll, they'll direct you to where's the best place to buy it. But definitely through our record company in Germany, which is a massacre record. Perfect. So Rick, my last question for you today is currently, who are some of the your favorite bands on Heavy Rotation? I'm a back in the day kind of guy. You know, I like to listen to classic rock. So right now what's coming out, I'm not sure what I, what to say about that, but um if if I'm in my car, you know, I got my 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 playlist, and it's uh, it's all Maiden, uh, Zeppelin, Priest, Johnny Cash, Elvis, <laughs> the Stones, the Who. Ah, I'm into classic rock, man. That's my thing. Awesome, I love it. Rick, I want to thank you for joining me again today. I know you're quite busy with everything. Yeah, it was a great chat, and I hope to chat with you again in the future. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.